So we're returning to the series on faith. When I started it the last Sunday of May, I told you I might be doing this till September or October, and here it is January, and we are half done. We're going back to this series on faith, and remember that faith is believing and acting on what we don't see. Faith is being completely convinced that God will do what he said, that he will keep his promises even before he does. Faith is believing and acting. That's the important part. Acting on living like it's true before it happens. Acting on God's promises before we see it come to pass. And I talked to you back in the summer about faith crisis that Moses and Gideon and even Jesus came to a crisis moment where they had to choose whether they were going to believe God or not, right? Whether they were going to obey. And there was some nail-biting, sweaty moments in every Bible hero's life where they had to choose, am I really going to believe that God is going to come through for me if I obey what he's telling me to do? Gideon sweated it out for a while, and Moses argued with God for quite a while, and Jesus sweated it out, literally. He, He really had a crisis of, I don't want to do this, but I have to. And so I'm here to present you with a faith crisis this morning. Aren't you happy you're here? Well, so we've talked a lot. You can go online and listen to anything that we've done in the last six months on on faith. But I'm just going to pick right back up. And uh, I had a totally different order to what I had left, but somebody changed my mind, and I think it's the Holy Spirit. So we're going to... We're going to do things in a little bit different order than I had planned, which is, I, I like that because it's evidence that the Lord is speaking to me, I guess. So I want to talk to you about faith for generosity, faith with our money, being generous with God and being generous with other people. Jesus told us to give our lives away, and that includes our money. I need to pause and say this for those of you that don't know me or haven't known me for a very long time. I've been pastor of this church for 498 Sundays. Can you believe that? All you old timers, can you believe it's been that long? 498 Sundays today. I have preached about money precisely three times. Three. Okay? Out of 500 Sundays, I've talked about money three times um, as my sermon topic. I avoid it because it's uncomfortable for me. Before I was the pastor, I preached on money all the time because I I didn't have, it's just, it's a lot easier. I know that you've probably heard some really slimy preachers uh, who tried to preach the money out of your wallet, and I'm really sorry about that. I have experienced that, and it's dirty business. Uh, Those of you who know me, you know that's not what I do. I almost never, ever talk about giving, especially not around the offering. Here, I'm going to do it today, but I just want to point out we've already passed the baskets. I'm not trying to get any more money out of anybody. I am honestly only interested in you obeying God and you being holy and doing the right thing. Money's uncomfortable because money by itself is dirty business, but you mix money and religion and things get real dirty real fast. There's nothing in it for me. I get paid what I get paid. And those of you who don't give anything, if you start giving, I don't get paid more. Okay? I I truly am only interested in you knowing the Word of God and you choosing to obey it and receive His holiness and His blessings. That's, That's really what I am interested in. 
If you're a guest this morning, I apologize. I, it's God's timing or it isn't, I don't know. If you're not a believer this morning, you can totally tune out everything I say because this does not apply to you. If you, you don't claim to be a Christian and follower of Jesus, then you don't have to worry about any of this. If you do claim to be a believer, if you are a Christian, you're either already doing this or you need to be, so I don't need to be uncomfortable about it. It's all right. And I'm not being hypocritical in any way because I do everything I'm about to talk about, and I have for 35 years. Some of you who are long-timers around here, you will remember this illustration from five and a half years ago, May of 2012. I did this before. You'll recognize it from then, but uh, it's a totally different set of scriptures and a different lesson, So, uh, but I'm going to do the same illustration. So you might have maybe somebody will remember 2012. I don't know. Sometimes it's hard to remember what last week's sermon was, isn't it? Uh-huh. Yeah. That was a really good sermon last week. Yeah, what'd you get out of it? Well, I don't remember. I just remember it was really good. Uh-huh, thanks. I put a lot of work into that. Okay, so we're going to go back 3,000 years, and I am an Israelite farmer in ancient Israel, the time of King David or King Solomon or something. And I I live in the Judean hills, and I farm my grain, and this is my harvest for the year. Uh, I'm not a very good farmer if this is all that I raised in one year, and I'm going to starve to death. (laughs) But for illustration purposes, this is my harvest for the year. This represents my time, my work, my, my sweat equity, my labor, and so on. So if I live in ancient Israel and I'm harvesting my grain, I know without a doubt living under the Old Testament and the temple and the... You know, the the Old Testament law, I know without a doubt that the first thing I have to do when I harvest my grain or my grapes or my, when I have a lamb born or I pick my apples, whatever it is, I have to tithe to God first. A tithe is the Bible word and it means a tenth. It's 10%. I have to give that to God. I have to take it to the temple to deliver it there to him. And here's our first scripture. From Leviticus 27.30, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. A tithe means a tenth, a tenth or 10%. The next scripture is Deuteronomy 14.22. You shall truly tithe, that means you shall actually give a full 10%. You shall truly tithe all the increase of your grain that the field produces year by year. So I know that this is my harvest, this is what I got. They didn't use liters and bushels, they used ephahs and seas to measure things, and I don't know what either of those means. But I know how much grain I've gotten, and I know that I owe God 10% of it. So uh, the question is, which 10% do I owe God? And God gives us the answer right here. Exodus twenty three nineteen. the first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. The first fruits is a really old-fashioned word that means the very first thing you harvest of whatever it is that's coming ripe in that time of the year. So the first fruits are the first five apples ripe off of my tree or the first grapes that are ripe on my vine or my first lamb or my first calf that is born or my first grain that I bring in on whatever harvest is happening at the time. The first fruits is the very first that I harvest. And God says, not only is it 10%, it is the very first 10%. 
If I'm a farmer worth my salt at all, I kind of have an idea how much my harvest is going to be. Is this a drought year? Is it bad with bugs? And how much grain is out there in the field? I've been walking out there and looking at it. And as I'm harvesting it, I can tell how thick it is. And God says, you give me the first 10%. Here's the next scripture from Second Chronicles 31. As soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruits of grain and wine, oil and honey, all the produce of the field, and they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. And the children of Israel and Judah, who dwelt in the cities of Judah, brought the tithe of oxen and sheep, also the tithe of holy things they laid in heaps. God says, give me the first 10%, because that requires faith. This whole time we've been talking about God being pleased by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. If I wait to see how much I'm going to get and decide if I can afford to give God 10%, that's the very opposite of faith. But if I give God the very first 10%, that's faith. And Jesus said when he's talking about us providing ourselves clothing and food and shelter, he said, seek first the kingdom of heaven and God will take care of everything else. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of heaven. So this isn't just Old Testament stuff. Jesus said it. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. So here's my harvest, and I calculate out my 10%. I take it out of my bag, whatever 10% is, and this is what I have left for myself. I would take this plus whatever else I'm harvesting at that season or whatever animal has been born, I take it up to the temple and God says, you bring it to my house and you give it to the priests. So they would go and they would worship. And if they brought a turtle dove or a lamb or a calf, that animal was slaughtered and God said which cuts of meat had to be burned on the altar as the sacrifice. And then the rest of it is food for the priests. Because the Levites or the priests, it's the same thing, they were forbidden to own property or to have jobs. They were, their job was to minister at the temple and take care of serving the Lord and serving the people of Israel in leading them in worship and whatever service they gave to the Lord. And so the way that God provided for them was everybody else's sacrifices, the offerings that they brought to the house. You can't just walk up to God's throne and hand him a paycheck you know or you can't hand him a cup of wine but the wine or the grapes or the raisins or the dates or the apples or the lamb or the beef or whatever came in fed the priests and there were thousands of them at the temple that served Israel constantly and they all needed provided for and God said that's where it goes but then the fascinating amazing thing about God is that he said some of that goes that goes to the Levites as food but then they would eat their own sacrifice at the altar after they barbecued it. Thank God, God loves grilled meat. After they barbecued the cheeseburgers, not really, but the steaks, they would eat their own offering. God is so generous, they really weren't even giving up very much at all because they got it right back. They brought it to the priest, which made it holy, and then they have this celebratory holy meal right there at the altar. God says, when you come, bring widows and orphans and the foreigners that live around you, bring them to share in your feast at my altar. And you feed my Levites, my priests, you feed the strangers around you, you feed the widows and the orphans, and you feed your family with your own tithe. They really weren't even giving up very much at all. 
that's just the generosity of God. That's how he does it. He's amazing. Nehemiah 10. And we made ordinances to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all fruit of the trees year by year to the house of the Lord, to bring the firstborn of our sons and our cattle, as it is written in the law, the firstborn of our herds and our flocks to the house of our God, to the priests who minister in the house of our God, to bring the first fruits of our grain, the fruit from all kinds of trees, the new wine and oil to the priests, to the storeroom of the house of our God, to bring the tithes of our land to the Levites. For the Levites should receive the tithes in all our communities. So I take my first fruits, my first 10%, and I bring it to the priests. And they get it for food. My family gets to eat a little bit as we go there and worship. We go home, and now this 90% is mine. No. Because I actually haven't given God anything. God says the tithe is mine. You owe it to me. I haven't been generous in any way. I haven't given up anything. I have paid a bill. Some preachers, you'll hear them say paying tithes, which is correct. I don't use that language, but that is correct. We don't give tithes any more than you give your money to OTEC or Frontier or Verizon. You don't give them your money. That's not generosity. You're paying a bill. God says that tithe is my money. And not only are we not giving it, if we keep it, we're stealing God says so. We'll look at that in just a minute. But I haven't given anything. So God says you can give me an offering if you want. Tithe is not offering. Offering is totally always free will. It was called a thanksgiving offering. Sometimes it was called a harvest offering. Sometimes it was called a heave offering where God says, if you are just so excited and thankful about how I have provided for you through the year, then you can just bring your wine or your grain, and you can just throw it up in the air. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Thank you, God! Just celebrate. So stand there in front of my altar and throw up the grain in the air. Sorry, girls. I, I really didn't mean to throw it that far, but I did that first service, too. I have made a mess. Sorry, uh, Lee and Amber. Okay. So... It's called a heave offering or a throne offering is what it's called in the Old Testament where they would, just, they would bring a, a glass of wine and just throw it up in the air at God. And it wasn't just the Hebrews that did that. All the ancient cultures, ancient Chinese, ancient Europeans, they did that. They would pour out wine and they would throw out grain to their gods. And God says, you do this to me. And, and offerings are completely voluntary all the time. God never, ever demands that we give an offering. The tithe is commanded, but offerings are your own free choice. And you're not offering anything until you've already paid your tithes. You can't do it the other way around. It doesn't mathematically work. It's just in every logical way. It doesn't work. The New Testament says God loves a cheerful giver, and the word in Greek is hilarious. God loves a really hilariously happy giver, somebody that loves to give. So now... I've paid my tithes, and maybe or maybe not, I have given an offering, and now the rest of it is mine, until the king shows up. And he's going to take his pound of flesh, and so the officer is going to show up, and they're going to want their taxes. So, you know, i gotta, I got to part with some of what I raised to feed the soldiers, and uh, i got to feed the king and the governors and all of that. So, I, you know, I don't know what their tax rates were. But um, our lowest tax rate in America is 10%, so we're just going to stick with that because it's really easy math. 
so the, the government takes their uh, taxes, and taxation is not theft, although you've heard that. It is theft for the government to take my money that I earned to give it to somebody that didn't work for it. But for people who work like firemen and police officers and soldiers and governors and administrators, that's not theft. That's public service. And paying for schools and roads is not theft. That's Bible says, pay your taxes. So uh, now I'm down to 80% or maybe a little less if I gave an offering. Now the rest of it's mine, and this is to feed my kids, and this is our income for the year, and this is what we get to eat and, and, and live on. Except it's not. Because if I get to next spring and I don't have any seed left, then I'm going to not have a crop. So I have to save some of this back as seed for next year's crop. So depending on your grain, these are oats. Um, Barley and wheat and corn yield a a lot more than oats. But normally on a good year, you know, if I save 10%, again, of my seed back, I got way more than enough usually. It might be a drought or a bad year where the seeds don't germinate or something, but but I need to save at least 10% in order to have seed for next year. Are you with me? Tithe, taxes, and savings in that order. Then the rest of it is mine, 70% or a little less if I give an offering. So the rest of it is mine to feed my kids and my animals. That's my income. Or I can, if I got extra, I can sell it. And so, of course, you and I don't live this way anymore, but this is your paycheck. Yep. Hello? This is your time and your effort and your sweat equity and, and your life. Somebody is going to say, well, yeah, okay, that's true, but it's all Old Testament. And that's right. All the scriptures I just gave you are Old Testament, but it isn't the law. Tithing happened before the God gave the law. Abraham tithed to Melchizedek uh, five, six hundred years before God gave the law. And Melchizedek represents Jesus, the Hebrews says. So there is a biblical instruction to tithe to Jesus. And Jesus, the, Jesus only gave the Pharisees one compliment. Only one thing did he ever say they did right, and that was that they were fastidious about tithing. And even that compliment was buried in a rebuke that they were fastidious about tithing which they should do but they forgot about mercy and justice and the weightier matters of the law is what jesus said so the only thing he even remotely complimented them on was that they were very picky about their tithing about calculating their tithe so jesus said we should do it Tithing is so important to a lot of Christians that Richard Vermbrand, who in the 60s spent 14 years literally underground in a prison in Romania because he was a pastor in the communist outlawed Christianity, he spent 14 years underground dressed in rags. He did not shower. They got one meal a day thrown in on the floor. And for 14 years, he's reduced to absolutely nothing. But the Christian men who were there in the communist dungeon still tithed. How would you tithe when you're reduced to absolutely nothing? They had nothing but the rags they were wearing and some moldy, wormy bread thrown in every day, and that's what they tithed. Every man in rotation skipped every tenth meal, and they gave that food to the sickest man in the cell. It was so important to them that they tithe that they did it when all they had was a crust of bread. Tithing literally becomes... a, a an issue of life and death 
if you only get one meal a day and every tenth day you don't eat. That's some serious commitment that we have to do this because the tithe is holy. So, let's talk about the practical and the spiritual reasons why God would command us to do this. God never, ever commands us to do something arbitrary. He's not putting his thumb on us and testing us just to see how much can you take, how much will you sacrifice. He isn't mean like that. Everything he does has a purpose and a reason that is good and kind and holy. Everything he does. So let's talk about the practical and the spiritual reasons why God might want us to tithe. He expects it to be faith. We have to do it in faith up front. It is a test, but it isn't a mean test. It is a test so that we can be in communion with him so that he can bless us. So there is a very practical reason, and we've already touched on a little bit why God commands us to tithe, and it's to take care of the ministers. Because in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, the leaders of the church, it is our job to take care of you, so it's your job to take care of us. Again, I already get paid what I get paid. And if those of you who aren't tithing, if you start, I'm not going to get more. So I'm not trying to preach any money out of your wallet for any selfish reasons. I just have to say it because it is the reason why God tells us to tithe. Second Chronicles 31.4. Moreover, he commanded the people who dwelt in Jerusalem to contribute support for the priests and the Levites that they might devote themselves to the law of the Lord. And from the New Testament, Galatians 6.6. 6, Let him who is taught the word... Share in all good things with him who teaches. And from 1 Timothy 5, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. So, what we do here, not just on Sunday morning, but all of it, what we do here, this is Pastor Josh and I's, it's our profession, it's our occupation. We don't have other jobs to pay the bills. We serve you in the name of the Lord. And we serve the Lord on your behalf. Yes? Yeah, we teach, we counsel, we help, we pray, we comfort, we administrate, we serve. Sometimes we pacify, we lead, we represent Jesus in your life. And I'm talking to the long timers now. Those of you who've been around a long time and you're not giving anything, you're stealing from us. You are taking our service and leaving without paying. If it was your business, you would not like that. Somebody expected you to donate their service to you. You're stealing. The tithe is to go to your home church to pay the bills for the home church where you get served. That's where the tithe is supposed to go. Wherever you attend church, wherever your home is, to bring it. And in the Old Testament, they were to put it in the hands of the Levites. In the New Testament, they put it in the hands of the apostles. The Bible is very clear that Josh and I have to tithe, and we do. The church tithes. 10% of everything we bring in in your offerings, we tithe to other churches and missionaries. If you notice back in one of the verses, it says, bring your tithe to the Levites, and they will put it in the storehouse of the house of the Lord. We should have a savings account as a church, and we do. So we're not even giving because the church lacks money. There should be a full storehouse. If church that's financially responsible ought to have a storehouse. 
meaning a savings account. So you bring your tithe to your home church because that's where you get served. It's where your kids get served. It's where you're baptized and married and funerals and baby dedications and everything else. This is our occupation. We are serving you and we don't have other jobs to pay the bills. So that's why. Of course, your giving does not just pay for my salary and Josh's and Jana's. But uh, it pays the bills to keep the lights on and the property expenses. And we give lots of money away in, to missions and to uh, charity and, and benevolence needs around our town and all around the world. There's lots of other things that we do with the money, of course. But that's really the very practical reason why God says to bring the funds to your home church. Spiritually, God's command that we tithe is... Him putting us in a position where we exercise some real-world practical faith. Where we can sing in worship, Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, I live for you alone. Have your way in me, but don't touch my wallet. (laughs) Have your way, Lord, lead me. Uh, Let's go to the bank. Nope, not going there, God. Nope, that's mine. Okay, you're free to do that. I told you I was going to put you in a position for a faith crisis this morning. It's real-world practical faith because it is a real sacrifice. I know that. I tithe too. And I think about what I could do with the money I give. And when you give what is yours at a real cost, at a real sacrifice um, to the Lord, you are doing what Jesus said. You are seeking first his kingdom, and it requires faith to trust that I'm not going to lack anything. I'm going to be okay. God will take care of me. Uh, it will all come back. It kills selfishness and pride in a way that you cannot kill that kind of selfishness any other way. It really is giving your life away because if you pull a $100 bill out of your wallet or you write a $400 check for the month or whatever it is you do, uh, that's real money. And it took you real time and effort and sweat and trouble to get it. So when you give it, you are actually literally giving your life to Jesus. It isn't a piece of paper. It represents all of the time and sweat and effort and trouble you went to to get that. So in a way that is impossible any other way because you do have a job and you have kids to raise and you have a life to live, you can't drop out of, quote unquote, drop out of your life and just live for Jesus. But in carrying out the responsibilities of having a job, which God commands that you do, Uh, In having a job and paying the bills and earning funds, uh, you can say, God, whatever time it took to earn this 10%, that's how I give it to you. This is how I give you my life. And there isn't really any other way to practical way to do it. Because money is, it's real. And it means something and God knows that. So there is a step of faith. He isn't going to leave us high and dry on the other end. There will be a sacrifice. Sacrifice means you do without. Sometimes I'm tempted to, I don't know, it's not temptation. I just have a thought, you know, if I, if I want a new rifle or I want a four-wheeler, I think, man, if I didn't tithe for three or four months, I could buy a really nice four-wheeler. I probably, you know, so it's not really temptation because I'm not going to do it. But there are things that we do without, but God always blesses this because Tithing comes with a blessing, and this is where I want to camp out this morning. This is where I want to land. This is really, truly what I'm concerned about. It, this is what I want you to see. Romans 11, Paul writes this. If the first fruit is holy, the whole 
W-H-O-L-E, the entirety, the whole thing of whatever it is we're talking about. If the first fruit is holy, the whole is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. He's talking about Jesus, but, but we, we're looking at first fruits in the actual definition of the word. In the Old Testament, it means our stuff, our income. If you tithe your first fruits, all of your money becomes holy. If the first fruit is holy, the whole thing becomes holy. I hope I don't have to prove to you that money is dirty business. Money is gross, dirty, nasty stuff. Physically, it's even dirty. But how many families have been ruined fighting over money? How many lottery winners have killed themselves when they struck it rich? Money has a spirit attached to it, actually. Jesus called it mammon, which was an idol of the Old Testament period. It is Money has a spirit attached to it, and by itself, money is dirty, nasty stuff. And maybe you've felt that feeling before. When greed rises up in your heart to fight over an inheritance or you hope you're going to win the lottery or, or you just get a little extra cash, you're like, oh, what am I going to do with this? Or you felt it for sure when God prompts you, hey, I want you to give that over here. Like, mm-hmm, I don't hear you, God. Uh-huh. Yeah, money, money's dirty. It's, it's not good. We need our money to be clean to be blessed so that God can bless it. God says, if the first fruit is holy, if you tithe your first 10% to me, the whole thing will be holy and I will bless you. If you don't, you're cursed. Malachi 3 says this, just because, not because God's cursing you, but just because money is cursed. It's nasty stuff. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse for you have robbed me. Even this whole nation, bring all the tithes into the, whole, into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. God says, your money is cursed. If you give it to me, I will bless you, I will put a protective blessing on you so that you can't be robbed or cheated. Now that doesn't mean life's going to go perfect, it doesn't mean you're going to get rich overnight, it just, God says your money becomes holy when your first fruit is holy. I've been taught to tithe all of my life. When I was a kid, my parents made me tithe off my allowance, and we do that with our kids. They've had to tithe from the very first, when they were five, six years old, they started getting allowance, they get a dollar a week and they bring in their dime. You know, when I was 13 and we did it with our kids, they go to the bank and get a checking account and you get your, in my day it was just an ATM card, they didn't even have debit cards, you know, but uh, now the kids get their debit card and they get their allowance and they had, when I was a kid, we'd go to dad to get our monthly allowance when I was a teenager and, and he, he checked two things, our checkbook register had to perfectly balance and we had to have tithed. And I do that with my kids. If they want their allowance, which for January we haven't done yet, they have to prove that they tithed in December and that their checkbook balance is right on with the bank, which takes this one quite a little bit. There's lots of scratches and <laughs> numbers crossed out and remarkings and, oh, no, how did what happened here? Sarah and I have tithed from the very beginning. There was a season of time in college where I quit tithing because I, I, I excused myself because I was poor. But I repented of that, and uh, we got married, and we lived on a thousand a month, and we tied the hundred and lived on nine hundred, and we never ever lacked anything. 
God always provided. It was stressful. It was scary. It truly was a test of faith to live on 900 bucks a month even 20 years ago. I told you before, there was at least twice where we were really stressed out about money and we were arguing with each other about finances and there was a knock on our door and we open it and nobody's there but there's bags of groceries on our front step and it was very convicting uh, like, why are we arguing why are we scared and and you know I don't I don't say that we tithe to get God to take care of us we're not paying off a mafia bribe okay it isn't you know, the mafia comes into some store and says, you need to buy some fire insurance. Well, I already got fire insurance. Not from us, you don't. Your store might burn down if you don't buy this fire insurance. Okay, that's not what tithe is. Okay, you're not, you're not paying God to take care of you. But God says, try me in this. It's the only thing he ever says, test me in this. You pay your tithes and I will bless you. I will take care of you. And he always has and he always He always has. There have been really tight moments. There have been financial disasters. There's been difficult seasons. I'm not at all here to present to you that if you tithe, everything will be perfect and you'll get rich. No, I don't mean that. But you will be blessed and you will be holy and you will know God in a way that other people who don't take that step of faith, um, you'll know God in a way that they don't. And you'll know his provision and his care for you in a way that you can't any other way. Uh, just two examples you've heard in our church before, but there was a couple, a couple of years ago who had started tithing when they got saved um, in college and, and they had tithed real regularly, but they'd gotten lazy and gotten out of it. And, and I, they, I didn't talk to them at all. I didn't know anything. They just, I didn't even know they weren't giving. It just, they just weren't. And they told me after the fact, they said, we realized it, we repented, we talked to each other and we prayed to the Lord and we, we repented and we apologized and said, God, we will start tithing from this moment forward. And you can't go back and make it all up. You, you, just, you just repent and you move forward. They wrote out a tithe check for that very night for the last paychecks that they'd gotten. And the next day, both of them got a raise. I don't promise that that will happen in our situation. I've never seen that myself, but, but it happens. We had a couple in the church just a year or two ago. Got, they'd always tithe every month. First check they write is 10%, full 10% tithe check. Put it in the offering. And one day, God told um, the husband, driving along or whatever he's doing, and puts it in his heart. He said, add $50 to your tithe every month. So 10% plus an offering of 50. Okay. So they gave an extra $50 every month on top of their 10%. And I don't know how long it took, but it was a month or two or three. He got a $500 a month raise. He's already tithing off of that. It's a step of faith. God says, obey me first. And he didn't tell him what was going to happen. He didn't tell him anything other than this is going to cost you $50 more. That's all he told him. But he proved his faithfulness. Are you with me? He does prove his faithfulness. And there's lots of stories in this room right now. So I don't present that you're going to win the lottery. I don't present that you're going to get rich. I just tell you that God, you you tithing your first fruits makes all of your money holy so that God can bless it. He is not telling you to tithe to make you sweat and do without and test you to see how much you can take and how much you'll give and what you'll do. Just 
out of faith. It is faith. Absolutely. It has to be by faith. And I know up front it is, it's a pretty hard decision to make. But when you do it, you can get to the point where it just becomes automatic. You live like that money isn't yours because it isn't. It's God's. And, uh, and you just write that check very first. And we just it's not even a temptation because we never spend it. We never have it. We just give it um, very first. So you can get to the point where it's automatic and it's good and God will bless the rest. Stuff just happens. Things come in and, and you just see the provision of God. So I know that some of you don't give anything. It would be a stretch to you to imagine giving anything. Some of you give a little bit here and there, but you're not giving 10% regularly every paycheck. Uh, I just encourage you to think about it. That's all. I just give you the Word of God, and you can make your own decisions. I'm not keeping track of who's giving what. I, I just uh, I just have to tell you the truth. I have to tell you the truth, and honestly, all I care about is I love you, and I want you to be holy. I want you to obey God. I don't want you to come to meet him face-to-face, and you're being counted. Folks, when we see him face-to-face, and we didn't obey him, we will regret it. If we did obey him, it will not matter. We will not have given enough. I mean, in our own attitude, like, I should have, I, I want to have given so much more. Because he's worth it. He's worth it. Yeah, he is. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your instruction. Thank you for your provision in our life, Lord. We understand that you require faith. And we commit now to obey in faith and know that you will be good. You will provide. You are a good father. You are trustworthy and safe. And that we can take this action of faith to give you our first fruits. And we will know that you will take care of us on the other end. And even if hard times come, if battles come in our finances, you will be for us and not against us. So Lord, we too, we do truly give you our heart, our soul. We live for you alone. Have your way, Lord, including in our finances. We commit to obey you, to obey in faith, and to see your faithfulness. Lord, I bless every giver in this room. I thank you for the generosity of this congregation. Thank you that we have a full storehouse. Thank you, Lord, for the faithfulness over the years of so many givers. I bless each person in Jesus' name. Lord, for those that have not yet tested you in this, I pray that you grant them courage by your Holy Spirit to take this step of obedience and faith, to see your faithful provision, your holiness in their finances, your victory over their debt, the things that they're afraid of and that they're scared might not get paid for or we don't know how we could afford that. I pray, Lord, that you would bring clarity and direction and clear provision after they step out in faith. I bless every giver in this room today. In Jesus' name, amen.